Take your Bible this morning. Be finding the book of 1 Kings chapter number 17. And Dr. Getch, thank you for the privilege to come here. We uh, love this place. And uh, my wife and I just feel like this is a second home to us in so many ways. Four of our daughters attended here. Three of our sons-in-laws were attended here. And uh, we love what God is doing in this place. I, I believe this is a very special place. Um, I, I just, I'm thankful for what God is doing inside of, of lives as they're being prepared to, to go and be the servants of God that He wants you to be. And I don't know that you could be in a better place. And so thank you for allowing me to be here. I think this is about the 14th, maybe 14th year I've been coming out here. And I just love it. So take your Bible this morning. Turn to 1 Kings 17. I want to read the first six verses together. And here's what the Word of God says. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, which is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. Say that next word with me. There. So he went. And did, according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Thank you for honoring God's word this morning, and you can be seated. So much of our Christian life is spent in preparing. I want you to think about all the time that you spend in preparation. You're preparing for a final. You're preparing for a test. You're preparing for a game. You're preparing for a sermon. You're preparing for the next assignment. And the truth of the matter is God always has an assignment for, for His children. Elijah is an individual here that had been given an assignment by the Lord. He just completed that assignment. His assignment was to go to the king of the land, Ahab, and tell him this message. He said, look, because of the idolatry of the nation, he said, here's what God's going to do. He said, he's going to cut off all of the rain in the land. And God says to Elijah, Elijah, I want you to go and deliver that message for me. That's the assignment that I have for you. Elijah was obedient to the Lord to fulfill that assignment that he had been given. And so now, as God oftentimes does, God says, okay, you've completed that assignment. Now I have another assignment for you. Here's a truth that will carry you through the rest of your Christian experience. God will not reveal to you your future assignment until you have fulfilled your previous assignment. In other words, there's no fresh revelation that comes from the Lord until you have obeyed what He's previously given to you. So you sit here this morning, maybe you've got a question in your mind about the will of God for your life. Maybe you're a little bit confused about the will of God for your life today. Well, it could be that if you've not obeyed the will of God for your life yesterday, you're going to have confusion in your life of understanding what the will of God is for your life today. Here's what Elijah begins to teach us. 
we begin to understand that when you start to listen to God's voice, you begin to discover God's next assignment. And God always reveals His next assignment to us through His Word. God, remember this, is preparing Elijah. You see, he's preparing him for the greatest assignment that he would ever be given. And that is he would go up to Mount Carmel. He would confront the prophets of Baal. Fire would be called down from heaven. That's where God is taking him. But at this stage of his life, he's not ready for that. God's preparing him. He's going to use a series of, of assignments to get him to this place, this pinnacle, if you would, of his ministry. But there are some prerequisites, I guess you would say, before Carmel. In other words, Elijah's got to learn some truths about God in private before he's ever going to be able to proclaim them in public. And part of Elijah's preparation involves learning the sufficiency of being able to rely on the Word of God. And Elijah's faith and Elijah's obedience to the Word of God is about to be tested and God wants to take Elijah on a journey. And I believe God wants to take you and me on a journey with him today. And part of God's preparation process in this journey for Elijah involves taking him on a journey to a place that the scripture simply refers to as there. There. There is the place God wants you to be. There's the place God wants me to be. There's a great place. And the question I have for you as a student today is, are you there? When you find yourself there, here's what you will find. Just like Elijah, there, first of all, is a place of preparation. I want you to notice there, God takes him to a place the Bible refers to as Cherith. Now, it's interesting as you begin to study the, the words and meanings of words in Scripture that you begin to find that oftentimes these, these titles are, give us a great clue as to what God is ultimately doing there. The word cherith means this. It means a cutting place. And God is about to use this place cherith in Elijah's life to cut into his life, to cut out of his life some things that, that are going to be hindrances for him. In other words, as he's preparing him for Mount Carmel, he's got to have some things removed before he can be that prophet of God that, he wants, that God wants him to be. And you see, God has to take him to Cherith. Cherith has to come before Mount Carmel. By the way, the cross has to come before the crown. The trial has to come before the triumph. The wilderness oftentimes has to come before the wonder that God wants to perform in our life. And so he's going to cut away some things in his life. He's going to cut away from Elijah's life his self-sufficiency. And he's beginning to teach Elijah uh, about how he can be dependent and reliant on the Word of God. And he said that the, when you get to Cherith, Elijah, you're going to find a brook there. And the word brook there is really a, the word wadi. It, it, it just refers to a dry stream bed. And most of the time the, the land was very dry and barren. But during the rainy season, water would begin to fill up this, this dry creek bed. And, and now remember, Elijah has just delivered a message. He's got an assignment from God to go to the king and tell him that there's not going to be any rain in the land. He said, there's going to be a, a dry season here. No rain till God says with his word that there's going to be rain. So here's 
Elijah's instructions. He said, Elijah, I want you to get out of the place that, you're, that you know. This is your homeland. You're comfortable here. You're going to leave the palace after this assignment. And I want you to go to a place you've never been. It's a, it's a foreign place to you. It's a place called Cherith. And I want you to, to wait for me there. And when you get there, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find food and you're going to find water. And it's going to be delivered to you with ravens. And he says, Elijah, when you get there, you're going to find water where there's no water. You're going to find food where there's no other food. And he said, uh, by the way, you don't have time to make this decision. You need to do it right now. He gives him the order to go and to go immediately. And verse 3 tells us that he is to hide himself. The word hide means to conceal. It means to conceal something from someone, to guard it. And the reason that we find this, this use of this word is because Ahab, the king, is, is after him. Look, when Elijah delivered this message and he, he told him of the impending judgment of God, uh, it, it did not win him man of the year in Samaria, I want you to know. Uh, the Rotary Club and the Ministerial Association didn't invite him back for, uh, to be a, a guest speaker again. I just want you to know, it made Elijah literally a man on the run. And by the way, sometimes when you obey God, sometimes your obedience to God will provoke more hatred than honor before men. And yet in all of this, remember, God's preparing him. He's getting him ready. And Elijah is eventually going to face the greatest test of his life there at, at Mount Carmel when he confronts the prophets uh, of Baal on Mount Carmel. He, but he's not ready for that yet. God's got to prepare him. By the way, most of your life is going to be spent in preparation. I remember when God began to teach this lesson to me. I was a freshman in college. I was a country boy. And uh, I didn't have a very good background in high school. Sometimes my subjects and verbs never found each other. And uh, I got to college and they, they said I was required to take a class called freshman speech. Now, I, uh, I, I thought I knew how to talk. I mean, we're from the South. And you know, we, we, we talk a little different. I understand that. How's your mom and them? Gee, yeah, no, gee, okay, all right. Well, you know, we kind of talk like we have marbles in our mouth sometimes, but... But I thought I did pretty good with the English language until I got to freshman speech. In freshman speech, I had a teacher, and she wasn't from the South. She was from Ohio. She was single, and I know why. It wasn't because she was not an attractive lady. She was all right. But I want to tell you, the woman was mean. And I had to get up in front of her with my southern accent and begin to do all of these speeches. And every one of them I dreaded. I, I just thought, oh my goodness, she, she was just merciless with me. And then finally we had the speech. It could be on anything we wanted it to be on. And I thought, you know, I like to hunt. Praise God, if you're from the south, you ought to like to hunt. And uh, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speak on hunting deer. I know something about that. I probably killed about 175 of them. I know what I'm doing. And uh, we used to eat those things. We'd eat five of them a year for our whole family. That's, how we, that's how, what we did. I just enjoyed it. And I thought, I'm going to talk about, 
I'm going to talk about hunting with dogs. I'm going to talk about still hunting. I'm going to talk about hunting in a stand. And I was so ready, Dr. Getch, for this, for this uh, speech. I couldn't wait to get in there. And I thought, surely there's nothing she can criticize about this because she's going to learn how to be a hunter before this is over. And I got up and I was so excited. And I remember I was into the moment. I said, back where I was raised, I, I said, we had these rolling hills. And I said, the, the, the morning, the cold mornings would come and the, the dew would be on the ground. And, and around November, the bucks would be in the rut. And I, and I started talking about hunting there. And, and, uh, and I, have you ever seen somebody that uh, begins to have an allergic reaction? And they're sitting there and all of a sudden they just begin to turn red and sometimes they just swallow deep and you think, well, is something going on? Did they choke on something? What's going on? I look back there and I'm thinking, I think she's having a reaction. And, and her face started getting redder and redder. And, and I, I thought, well, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe she's into it like I'm to it. And I remember, I, I said, I, I remember this morning, I said, the, the, the clock went off, at, the, the alarm went off at four o'clock and I got up and we were fixing to go hunting. And, and, and I was just telling this story and I got done with it. And I thought, man, I, I said, anybody doesn't know about deer hunting, they know about deer hunting now. So now it's time for her to critique the speech. And she stood up and she said, You're fixing to? You're fixing to? Was it broke that you had to fix it? You were raised where you were raised? You raised corn. You rear children. And I thought, I don't think she liked the speech. <laughs> and I listened to this gal, and she went on, and she went on, and, and she just was merciless as she eviscerated my speech about, about deer hunting. And at the time, I did not know exactly what was going on. I thought, well, Lord, I'm trying. What are you doing? And then as I moved through life, I remember, what, I remember the day that God began to teach me that I was in a preparation stage. Because here's what, when it all hit me. It hit me after college because I, was, I went into the United States Marine Corps. And it was the day I arrived at Paris Island, South Carolina, and I met my drill instructor. And he walked in there, and he had a few nice words to say to all the young men that were there. And then I realized, I know why I had that teacher. She was preparing me for him. And I said, man, he's nothing. He's a piece of cake after you've had the gal from Ohio, do you understand? And here's all I'm trying to say this morning. So much of life is about preparation. It's about the next stage of the journey that God has you. He's taking you and me on a journey to a place called there. And so here's Elijah and he's being prepared for something that God is going to do. In fact, it's going to be the greatest display of God's power that Elijah's ever seen. He's going to call down fire literally from heaven on there on Mount Carmel, but he's not ready for that now. He's got to get to Cherith first. He's on this journey in a time of preparation to there. But I would tell you there's a place not only of preparation, it's also a place of provision. Look at verse 4. I love this. It said, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. Say it with me. There. Now I want you to notice a key biblical truth right here. Notice that God's provision always accompanies personal obedience. 
Now, Elijah had said to the king, no rain, which means if there's no rain, there's not going to be water for the crops, which means food is going to be scarce. But God said, I've got two things I want to use in your life here today, Elijah. He said, I'm going to use a bird and I'm going to use a brook. Now, from a human standpoint, ravens were a very unlikely creature to bring Elijah food. They were scavengers. In fact, they were often thought to be an omen of misfortune. If you saw a raven, many people thought, oh, something bad's getting ready to happen to you. In fact, it was the great preacher T. DeWitt Talmadge that said this. He said, it was a bird so fierce that we have fashioned one of our most forceful and repulsive words out of it, ravenous. That bird, he said, has a passion for picking out the eyes of men and animals. It loves to maul the sick and dying. It swallows with a vulturous gurgle everything it can and puts it, puts, uh, that it puts its beak on. And yet all the food Elijah gets for six months to a year is from ravens. Now here's a truth. Do you know God is not limited in the sources from which He can provide for our needs? Do you know if you don't ex- receive your need from an expected source, do you know that God can use an unexpected source to meet your need? But the key to it is you've got to be there. You've got to be in that place that God has you for your assignment. So here's God and he's preparing Elijah for, uh, and and he, he begins to teach him this truth. He says, Elijah, understand this. He said, I want you to know that I am the source of your supply. Don't don't get your eyes on the means that I use to supply that for you. You keep your eyes on me. Remember, God's preparing him. He's schooling him. He's teaching him. And here's what he's trying to tell him. He says, Elijah, if you are there, if you are at the place that I have directed you by my word, I will provide for you. I will care for you. But you've got to keep following me. Keep listening to me. Keep obeying me. You've got to be there. And if you are there, he said, I'm going to do amazing things for you. I remember back in college, uh, I like to say that every now and then. My mother used to like for me to say that I went to college. We, you know, we, none of our family ever went to college. She was always so proud when we would say we went to college. And usually I had to tell people that I went. But, but anyway, uh, I, I remember in college, about my sophomore year, and I had a car there. And, um, but I didn't have any money to put gas in the tank. How many can relate to that? You know, you're working, you're trying to pay your school bill, you're trying to make ends meet. And I remember it was on a Friday and, and there were some guys that said, hey, Tim, let's go in, uh, to a particular place on Friday night. We could share the gospel, hand out some tracts and maybe we see some people saved. And I, they said, he said, you got a car, right? I said, yeah, I got a car, but I don't have any gas. He said, I said, you got any money for gas? He said, no, I don't have any money. I asked the next guy, I said, you got any money for gas? No, I don't have any money. None of us had any money. And I'm thinking, man, that's terrible. I got a car. And I'm, we've got a guy's willing, but we don't have any money for gas. And I remember I was walking across a soccer field and I started praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, um, we got some guys that probably go out and win some souls tonight. And uh, you've provided me with a car, but I don't have any money for gas. And I said, Lord, would you just, I don't know how you would do it. We've only got a few hours before we need to depart. But God, I'm just asking you to do what only you could do. There may be somebody that needs Christ and, and we're willing, but... We've just got to have some help. And I'm not kidding you. I'm on one end of the soccer field and I look and there was a gentle breeze that began to blow. And I looked up on the other end of the soccer field and I, and, and I literally saw something blowing across the grass. 
looked like trash. Until I started looking at it, and I think it, I, the more I looked at it, I'm thinking, hmm, it's about that long. It's about that wide. And there's more than one. And I thought, man, that almost looks like money. <laughs> and then I kept looking at it, and I started making my way there a little, a little faster until finally I started in a trot, and I am not exaggerating to you. There was literally cash money that was just just blowing across the other end. And so I ran over there, man, and I was, I was grabbing that money. And, and I stood there and I looked around and, 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 and I saw no one. And I thought, well, somebody probably lost this and I need to try to find you know, who it is and return it to the rightful owner. There was no one there. And I looked up and I said, Lord, is that for me? And it was almost like he said, do you know if... If I don't provide it from the expected source, I can provide it any way I choose to do that. And I looked at that. And by the way, this is when gas was like 70-something cents a gallon, praise God. And I looked at that and I said, man, there's enough in here to fill my tank. Man, I'm going to tell you, I did the Baptist happy jig, you know. And we, I, I said, hallelujah! Went North Carolina on them, you know, and... I, took, I told those guys, I said, look, I said, God has provided, put gas in that tank. We went there that night, won some souls to Jesus Christ. And God began to teach me a valuable lesson that night. And that is this, if I am there in the place that God has commanded, God can do the supernatural and God can provide for my need. And here's what happens in our lives, students. Sometimes if our circumstances are unfavorable and we don't see human help nearby, we, we, we begin to despair and we come to the erroneous conclusion that either God is unable or God is limited or God is handcuffed and God cannot help us and nothing could be further from the truth. Can I tell you that if you are there, God can use the unlikely. God could use the unsuspecting. God can even command the ravens in the sky to bring bread to feed you and supply you. But you've got to be there. And my question for you this morning is, are you there? See, God was preparing this preacher for an adventure of faith through his life. I remember... A few years ago, I was pastoring in Charleston, South Carolina. If you've ever been there, it's one of the most beautiful cities in all the world. And we lived on an island, in James Island. And, uh, but I want to tell you one thing about Charleston. Charleston's hot. It's hot and it's humid. And air conditioning is an absolute essential. And uh, I remember we were down there and God began to work in that church and and it was so amazing. God filled the place up and we needed to build a new building. And we were trying to save some money and be very uh, frugal with our finances. And I remember one morning I walked into the office and as soon as I opened the door, I realized we had a problem. This mass dose of heat hit me and I realized, uh-oh, air conditioning is out. And I'm thinking, oh, what terrible timing. What terrible timing. We're trying to build a building. We're trying to get a loan from the bank. We're trying to, to meet all the, the regulations there. And, and I thought, what in the world we're going to do? It was so hot. I remember I called a man from our church that was a builder and he knew a lot about the air conditioners. He came over and he looked at it. And he said, Pastor, I, I hate to tell you this, but he said, it's gone. I mean, it's dead. He said, there's no putting this thing back together. He said, you've got to replace the whole thing. I said, well, how much do you think it's going to cost? He said, 10 grand, 
And I thought, oh my goodness. So I went, I went to my office. I got down on my knees and I prayed and I said, Now, Lord, I, I don't know what you want to do with this. If you want us to buy an air conditioner, that, I, that's what we need to do. And we'll do it and I know you'll provide. But, um, Lord, I, I'm just going to ask you to order my steps right now. Guide me to the next step of what I should do. And I reached over and I picked up this thing. You may have heard of it. It's about this tall and it's about that wide. It was yellow. It's called Yellow Pages. And... Uh, Back then, you didn't have cell phones uh, that, that could do everything that we do today. And I, I remember I opened up the, the, the yellow pages, and it's this thick. And, and I looked at heating and air conditioning repair, and, and it's that thick. And I'm just looking at all the, and I'm thinking, who do you call? I don't know any of these people. And I remember I prayed, and I said, now, Lord, you've got to order my steps here. Use somebody here to be a blessing to us. And Lord, I don't know who I should choose, but I'm... Ga- now listen, I don't know if this is theologically right or not, but this is what I said. I said, Lord, take my hands and guide them because I'm getting ready to put it down here somewhere and you've got, you've got to help me. And Lord, I commit it into your hands. Guide me, Lord. And I put my hands there and I looked at it and there was a number there and I said, well, I'm going to call it. So I called it and I said, uh, could you come down to our church and send somebody to look at the unit? And they said, yeah, it'd probably be a few hours. And I said, that'll be fine. And I remember I, I, I waited for this guy to show up. And, and one of the things I try to do with all the vendors that come to our property, I try to share the gospel with them. I think about the ones that come there. Sometimes they're divine appointments. And I remember I saw the van come out, uh, drive up and I walked out to meet him, introduce myself and and uh, I, I'm going to tell you, man, this guy's a piece of work. I, I don't think there was a part of his head that wasn't tattooed. And I'm telling you, he had so many piercings on him that when the wind began to blow, it sounded like a wind chime, you know? <laughs> and I started talking to him a little bit and trying to share the, the, the gospel with him. And I, I told him about the love of God. And I talked to him about how that sin had to be paid. And he finally said... Well, dude, I, I don't believe in your Jesus. I don't believe in God. I just don't believe in any of it. And I said, well, I want you to know God sure does love you. And he would love to be your savior today. And I'm talking to him and he's over there looking. He said, well, dude, I don't believe in your Jesus, but I can fix your air conditioner. I said, you can fix it? He said, yeah. And uh, he said, it's not anything really big. And I said, well, how much is it going to cost? He said, ah, 70 bucks. I said, praise God. He said, dude, I done told you, I don't believe in your God. I said, no, friend, you don't understand. I'm going I'm to tell you how wonderful my God that you don't believe in is. I said, this morning, he wanted to give a message to you. He wanted you to know that he loved you. So he allowed our air conditioner to break. And he put me into my office and I communicated him for just a moment. And I looked at the phone book and there were all these hundreds and hundreds of names. And I prayed for him to guide me. And his hand guided my hand to your company's name. And I said, and then your boss called of all of the employees. He called you to come and be our service individual today. Because he had a message that he wanted you to hear. And that is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth Him should not perish. And God used you that doesn't even believe in Him to be a blessing to us. I said, that's how great my God is. He went, dude. (laughs) You know what I've learned, young people? It's, It's simply this, that when you are there, 
God can use the unlikely to meet your need. You don't have to figure everything out. You just have to allow Him to, allow him to guide you according to His Word and be there. And with there comes a, it's a time of preparation. It's a place of provision. And then third of all, I would tell you that there is a place of preservation. Look at verse 4. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I've commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that it's before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the book. Now, make sure that you understand what I'm saying here. God will supply and God will sustain, but it's not without some responsibility on your part. And if God is going to fulfill His promise, it requires two things from you and me. Number one, it requires faith. And second of all, it requires obedience. See, Elijah's responsibility to this whole thing is found in the word there. If Elijah is going to experience the miracle of preservation, of having his meals provided and his life preserved, he has got to go to this unfamiliar place. He's never been there before, but it's this place simply described as there. If he doesn't go there, he's going to starve to death. So he has responsibility there. I believe the most important words in these verses is that the most important word is the word there. And so Elijah was told by God to leave the palace and go there to the brook. And he said, if you will go there to the brook, you're going to find water in a dry creek bed. And he said, if you go there, you're going to find food in the midst of a famine. But he said, you're not going to find it here. You've got to be there. But if you go there, you're getting ready to be preserved by the supernatural hand of God. In other words, he says, Elijah, the blessing of the Lord is there. I'm sure that Elijah had to think through this. I'm sure he's thinking, man, I've never been there. I've never been. I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I, it's a completely foreign place to me. I, I'm more comfortable in my setting. Even if the king is, is after me, I, I know this area. I'm from this area. But God said, no. He said, you need to go there because my provision only comes when you obey me and go there. My question to you this morning is this. Are you there? Where is your there? See, there's the place that God has planned for you to be. There is the perfect sovereign will of God for your life. There's where you will find things you won't find here. There are certain things that you will only experience from God when you are there in obedience. You see, for Elijah, there was a brook. And later it was a widow's house. For Noah, there was an ark. For Joseph, there was a pit. And then there was a prison. And then there was a palace. For Moses, there was a basket of bulrushes. For Daniel, there was a prayer room that led to a lion's den. For three Hebrew boys, there was a fiery furnace. For Ruth, there was a field owned by Boaz. For David, there was a throne of Israel. For Paul, there was a prison cell. For Jesus, there was a cross. 
And today, if you are here, out of the will of God, instead of being there in the will of God, that might explain a whole lot of what's going on in your life. It, it might explain why you're so discouraged. It might explain why you're so defeated. It, it might explain all the doubt that seems to plague your life. And if you stay here long enough and you don't get there, you're eventually going to burn out and rust out and sell out and give out. You see, here's what happens. Oftentimes our complaint about our spiritual lack and our complaint about our disappointments is oftentimes really a confession of our own disobedience before God. We're not there. But I want you to understand this morning, God will provide you for you and God will protect you and God will preserve you and at the same time He will use all of that to prepare you as long as you're there. Are you there? If you're there, stay there. If you're not there, then by all means get there. Because there is the place that you will experience the miraculous provision of our great God.